This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday the 1st of February. Coming up, we'll be hearing from the new Gillingham boss ahead of his first game in charge. But first, there's more fallout today from yesterday's publication of the Grey Report into alleged lockdown-breaking parties at Downing Street. The Labour leader says people feel like they've been taken for mugs by the Prime Minister, but Boris Johnson seems to have calmed the anger of his own MPs with a meeting last night being described as positive. Well, police are investigating 12 separate gatherings, including three the PMs known to have attended, and it was all debated on the lowdown on our Facebook Live last night by Labour Medway Councillor Alex Patterson and Sevenoaks Conservative Councillor Andrew Eyre. Right at the start of this, we were told that there were no parties and no rules were broken. That's manifestly untrue. You know, if we if we learned anything from the 11 pages of Sue Gray's interim findings, it's that parties did take place. And if parties took place on the dates in question, they were in breach of the rules. Well, it's a, it's a serious forensic report by a forensic investigator, Sue Gray. It's widespread, it's detailed, and I'm not sure I can agree with Alex that we now know the facts. There are events have happened, but they're still being investigated. It's unfortunate, I believe, that the, the clarion call, the anti-Boris clarion call by the left of all colours, has forced the issue to now become uh, blurred when in reality, Sue Gray would have been quite happy to have produced a confident, full report, and she's now prevented from doing that, and everything's got delayed. There's no question, you know, the event should not have been allowed, the garden was used without authorisation or oversight, the number 10 office, the leadership structures are fragmented and complemented. It's not the PM's job to run the number 10 office, it's the PM's job to run the government, and I think we should let him get on with that. If he's painting this as some sort of conspiracy of the left, perhaps he would also number amongst that conspiracy uh, Aaron Bell, who was the uh, Conservative 2019 MP for Newcastle on the line, who spoke very movingly about his own personal bereavement during uh, lockdown and, and the circumstances which he and thousands of others like him endure. And would he include amongst that left conspiracy that noted figure on the left former Conservative Prime Minister Theresa May, who asked the very legitimate question, did the Prime Minister not know of the rules? Did he not understand the rules? Or did he just not care about following the rules? Because really, there is only one of those three answers which can possibly be the case. And any one of them is a resignation matter. And on today's programme, experts are going to be discussing the number of children in Kent who are getting the MMR jab. It's amid concerns that one in ten children starting school are at risk of getting measles. Now, health bosses say uptake of the vaccine is at its lowest level for a decade, even though the NHS has continued the immunisation programme throughout the pandemic. In Kent, stats given to the Kent Online podcast show around 88% of eligible five-year-olds have had both jabs, while in Medway it's 86 
96%. That's well below the World Health Organization target of 95%. Well, you can watch the lowdown and have your say by posting a comment when the programme's on from six tonight. Kent Online News. Some crime news now and a Margate man who repeatedly punched a woman in the face and kicked her head has been jailed for more than nine years. Jason Wood also threatened his victim with a broken beer bottle during the sustained attack on a street in the town in December 2020. The 30-year-old who used to live on Nash Lane had admitted GBH and also drug offences. A man's been arrested following a 29-mile police chase which ended in Kent. A vehicle failed to stop for officers on the M23 near Crawley and ended up crashing with a police vehicle on the M25 near Junction 4 for Orpington in the early hours of Sunday. The 27-year-old driver was taken to hospital and questioned by detectives before being released pending further inquiries. A man's been treated in hospital for head injuries after being attacked in Chatham. The 47-year-old was found in Melbourne Road, but officers are not sure whether he was targeted by one person or a group. An escaped prisoner who led police on a high-speed chase near Sittingbourne has been sent back to prison. William Adams was spotted at the wheel of a stolen van and damaged three police cars while trying to get away. At Kent Online, you can see video of the moment he was eventually arrested near the Stockbury roundabout on the A249. The 22-year-old, who doesn't have a permanent address has had more than two years added to his prison sentence. Nearly 20 insulate Britain protesters, including one from Kent, are appearing at the High Court in London today, accused of breaching an injunction to stop their blockades. The group began their action, you may remember, in March last year, and it included blocking the M25 as well as roads in Birmingham and Manchester. Well, 54-year-old Biff Whipster from Canterbury is among those making his second appearance in court. These activists have told us, though, they had no no choice. We have to almost get an emotional response for people to review what they're doing day to day. It was totally proportionate and I do it again and I'll apologise to those people. I will no way apologise to this court. I've been to the, the council, I've been to my MP and nothing has changed. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. A man's died after being hit by a lorry outside Maidstone Hospital. Emergency crews were called to Hermitage Lane at about half eight this morning. The road was closed for several hours for an investigation to take place. Police have confirmed a 17-year-old boy who was hit by a train near Sandwich has died. Passengers were trapped on board for nearly three hours after it happened on Saturday night. The death is not being treated as suspicious. A strike by workers at Sheerness Docks has been called off. Car importers GB Terminals have back down over controversial fire and rehire plans, which unions say would have threatened more than 30 members of staff. Four strikes have already taken place over the last couple of months. Now, an elephant expert has criticised plans to rehome a herd from Kent to Africa, claiming it would be sending them to their deaths. 13 elephants at Howlett's near Canterbury are being prepared to be released into the wild in Kenya. But Keith Somerville, who's a professor at the Uni of Kent, doesn't think they'll survive. I'm against it because I can't see that it has any conservation value whatsoever. Kenya has been doing rather well in protecting its elephants. At one stage, it was losing a lot to poaching. And although Kenya is still a hub for ivory smuggling in East Africa, its elephant population is increasing. It's gone up by roughly 6,000 elephants right up to 36,280 over the last five years. Now, that may just be that it's a more accurate count recently, but even so, 36,000 elephants 
compared to what they had 10 or 20 years ago after very bad poaching is a very good figure and it's increasing. What's increasing with it is human elephant conflict, where elephants are dispersing out of their, their normal ranges, seeking food, water, and just basically expanding because there are more of them at the time when the Kenyan human population is expanding. So they are coming into conflict. So taking out 13 elephants from Britain, 13 elephants adding to a population of over 36,000, there's no conservation benefit there. So that's one of the reasons I'm against it. And the others is I think there are very, very strong reasons to believe those elephants wouldn't survive if they're actually released into the wild. There'll be issues with their health in the transportation because they've got to be in some way anaesthetized or certainly given something to calm them down because they will be shut in very small containers. Not dangerously small, but they will be contained. And, you know, elephants don't really like that. And they've got to be trucked to an airport, flown from Britain to Nairobi, which is a long flight with a lot of noise in the plane and elephants have got very sensitive hearing, then trucked from there to some sort of holding centre. So in that whole process, there is always a danger. You could injure elephants, young elephants could get very panicky and it's possible elephants could suffer, they could even die. So that's one problem. Another problem is these are elephants that have been born in captivity. None of these elephants has ever been wild. They've been in, by zoo standards, because I've seen them at Howlitz, a large enclosure where they're fed and they're provided with clean, safe water. They're also habituated to people because people are coming around watching them all the time. So they're not spooked by people. They're used to the keepers who get into much closer proximity. When they get to Kenya, at first, no doubt, they'll be in some sort of holding or acclimatization center. They can again be in a large enclosure where they will get used to the change in temperature, which is going to be quite extreme, particularly during the hot, dry season. They've also got to get used to water and vegetation. And this could be a real problem if they are released into the wild. The Aspinall Foundation, who are behind the scheme, say they're confident the animals will thrive and will be rewilded when they're ready. Just days after it was revealed drivers parking at a coastal spot near Whitstable will have to pay, council bosses have admitted the charge will be very hard to enforce. Between April and September, a weekday fee of £1.50 is set to be introduced on the stretch in Seasalter, rising to £3 at weekends. Or council wardens would need to catch anyone flouting the rules, but bosses have said it'll be tough as it's such a remote location. A new report out today suggests one in five people who were looking to buy a house in East Kent last year were from London. Research by Miles and Barr estate agents also shows the average property price in the area reached more than £337,000. It's thought changing working habits during the pandemic has caused more people to move out of the capital. Kent Online reports. Prisoners and young offenders at a jail in Rochester spent more than 22 
two hours a day locked in their cells. According to a new report, inspectors found that few being held at the resettlement prison took part in any useful activity. Conditions were overcrowded and there was an infestation of rats and mice. They visited the site last October when there were also concerns over staff shortages. However, they concluded the prison was settled. A health provider's handed over the running of its final GP practice in Medway following safety concerns. Inspectors found the DMC healthcare facility at Churchview Practice in Raynham required improvement with issues over preventing infection and vaccines not being stored properly. Leadership was also rated inadequate. Maritime Health Partnership has now taken charge of the 6,000 patient surgery. A Maidstone man who's unable to return to his home country after coming out as gay says he's grateful for the support of his children. Alex Geddy is originally from Nigeria, where being gay is still illegal. The 38-year-old moved to the UK and even got married in a bid to maintain what was viewed back home as a normal life. But it came out when that marriage broke down. He's been speaking to Leisha at the start of LGBT History Month. Most people that are gay in Nigeria, like myself, kept it to myself. And it was very secretive, you know. You try to make sure nothing your attitude, your personality even suggests that you were um, gay. So that is pretty much how most people live their lives in Nigeria. It's very underground, very secretive because you could literally go to prison for it. Do you think that is, you know, a, a very real fear then for the people out there, you know, and perhaps for you stopped you maybe living your true self because you couldn't, could you really? Yeah, you can't, you, you just literally cannot. So um, apart from the law, Nigeria is a very religious place. So in terms of uh, Christianity and in terms of the social pressure as well. So it was very difficult for anyone to live their life uh, because literally it's dangerous everywhere. So it's very, very difficult. And when you moved to the UK then, was it perhaps a bit of a, you know, culture shock in the sense that over here being gay is quite openly accepted? Now, of course, you do still have that minority group who still don't understand it, but on the whole, it is more accepted. How did it feel to go from that situation to then sort of coming over here and seeing that scene is a lot bigger over here and a lot more, like I say, accepted? It's not really a shock. It's more of a relief to see that, you know, you can actually just be yourself and taking that weight off your shoulder is just an amazing feeling. So, um, yeah, I think it's instead of, yeah, it's more of a relief and just happiness really to see that you, you could actually live your life. Yeah. And when you came over here, of course, you know, you still went on to get married and have children here and you explained it briefly in you know a couple of your YouTube videos would you mind explaining here you know why why was that that you decided to come over and you know get married and have children and the likes well to be honest with you yeah uh, even if you're based outside of Nigeria you have a strong family ties back home and even if you come out here you know it's still going to affect you back home so I came here for the purpose of uh, just continue living my life. I didn't intend to actually come out. Um, and because of the family pressures of getting married, you know, having a family and all those kind of stuff, I just went with that. Um, it was only after five years into my marriage that I got to a point where uh, I started thinking things over 
And even with that, you know, I could not cope with the idea of living my truth. So I did not do anything about it. It was only after my marriage fail, uh, failed that I realized, you know what, why go through this all over again with someone else? Why don't I just start living my truth now? So um, that was how it happened. So um, because even now that I'm out, you know, no one from Nigeria speaks to me anymore. Most of my families have caught ties with me. I'm even scared of visiting the country because I'm very open on social media and stuff like that. So going to Nigeria is uh, like really dangerous as well. So um, yeah, so that's how it all played out really. I can imagine that must be quite difficult for you to, you know, to have your family almost do that to you. How, how does that feel? Like I can't, I can't even imagine how that would feel to have that sort of pressure on you. Oh, um there's no there's no way of explaining or describing how it feels it's yeah you must go through it to really understand how terrible it is uh yeah so it's just something you have to deal with you know um because it's a matter of life to be honest with for most people and yeah a lot of pressures so yeah it was really difficult really really difficult and that is why you know, I went on to get married and try my best to be as um, straight or normal as possible. How do your children, you know, how did they react to it all? Uh, I can imagine they, they may have been a lot more accepting than you would imagine. You know, the younger generation now growing up, it's kind of just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, you you do you kind of thing. Is that kind of what it was like? Exactly. My kids are the best in the planet. They are so good. Um, and they were so understanding, like, I didn't need to explain to them twice. I, don't, I didn't need to try to justify anything to them. To them, I'm still their dad, and that is the most important thing to them. Nothing else matters. And that is just an amazing uh, feeling. Um, and even when I tell them about the hate and discrimination and stuff I've gone through, they just feel sad for me. And, you know, they always hug me, and they just try and make sure that I'm happy and yeah, so they are amazing. And yeah, I'm very lucky to have them, really. You can also read Alex's fascinating story today at Kent Online. It's been confirmed a multi-million pound leisure centre is going to be built to replace Cascades in Gravesend. Plans to create the new site on the existing car park have been approved. The current building will remain open during the construction period and will be demolished once the new centre opens, which should be in around 2024. H&M have refused to comment on rumours they're going to close their store in Ashford. The retailers had a two-storey shop in County Square since 2008. But it's thought bosses aren't planning on renewing the lease and a final sale sign has been put up in the window. A spokesman says H&M Ashford remains incredibly important to us and our loyal customers there, with the future of County Square itself as a whole remains unclear after the site was put on the market for £13.5 million last year. The Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury has been named Theatre of the Year at the Stage Awards. It was recognised for the role it played in helping the industry recover from the pandemic. The title was shared with Battersea Arts Centre in London. And it's Chinese New Year and final preparations are underway for celebrations in Maidstone this weekend. There'll be performances in Jubilee Square and Week Street on Saturday to mark the Year of the Tiger. A ceremony to wake up the Chinese lions will take place outside the town hall before a procession. Kent Online Sport. 
Football and Neil Harris's reign as Gillingham manager gets underway tonight. The former Millwall boss has taken over at Priestfield following the departure of Steve Evans and a brief spell in caretaker charge by Steve Lovell. With the Jills welcome crew Alexandra and are in desperate need of points if they're going to avoid relegation from League One. Here's what Neil had to say to the club's socials after signing on the dotted line yesterday. I enjoyed my time here as a player, so coming back as a manager is a privilege and an honour and extremely proud to be here. Um, and now I'm coming at a very difficult stage for the football club. Um, but, you know, we can only go one way now and that's, and that's a positive way. Um, Paul's tried extremely hard um, to piece everything together to, for me to be sitting here today. And, you know, I'm delighted to get it done. I know he's extremely pleased as well. Um, and, you know, it's now about building for the future, not just about a football match tomorrow night and trying to win a game. Yes, you know, we, we need results quickly, but it's about the long term as well. And that's really what sold it to me was Paul's longer vision of thinking about um, the summer and then moving forward, hopefully in League One next year, but looking at a longer plan over the next couple of years of trying to build a squad that resembles Gillingham Football Club. Kickoff tonight is at 7.45. You can follow the match action as it happens at Kent Online. Meantime, Jill's captain Carl Dempsey has left the club and signed for Bolton Wanderers. He would have been out of contract this summer, so the Jill's opted to do a deal on transfer deadline day rather than see him go for free after the end of the season. They have an immediate replacement in midfield, though, with former Millwall player Ben Thompson joining the squad at Priestfield. The 26-year-old has signed a deal until the end of the season. But that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.